Hello, everybody, and welcome into the advanced route in the final week before regular season games begin in the NFL. I am your host, Michael Beller, joined as always by my co-host, Emery Hunt. Emery, I know you're getting excited. I'm very excited. You've got a game to call this weekend. Uh, It really is here. We've been talking about it for months, but the football season has finally arrived. Absolutely, Mike, man. It's always great to join you on this podcast. And yeah, it starts Western Michigan at Monmouth. I'll be on a radio call uh, for the Shore Sports Network. Uh, You can Google that and figure out where where you can listen to that. Um, But yeah, and I also do some scouting as well this week. I'll be at Bryant. No, I'll be at Stony Brook. They play Bryant. Getting a good look at the defensive tackle, Sam Kamara, and cornerback Gavin Heslop. The outstanding corner that can play all across the secondary for uh, Stony Brook. So it's a great opportunity to get the scouting started and my broadcasting uh, schedule started this weekend. Already getting ready for the Advanced Route 2020 episodes. Exactly. We got started last week, honestly, um, in week zero. I was at the Colgate-Villanova game and, and watched some NFL draft talent as well. So my my scouting schedule had already kicked off last week in week zero. Well, I love that. And obviously, it's going to be a busy four months for all of us here in the football world even busier in the podcast world as well now. Uh, hopefully you've seen, if you haven't, uh, most of our podcasts, including the Advanced Route, are now available for free on iTunes or uh, Spotify or wherever you uh, prefer to get your podcast. So look for this episode and every subsequent episode of the Advanced Route there. And of course, if you like listening on the Athletic website and you're a subscriber, you can still listen there as well. But you'll be able to find us no matter where you listen to your podcast now for this one and for the rest of the season. Uh, Emery, uh, the big news in the NFL, uh, obviously, this weekend was the uh, surprise retirement of Andrew Luck. That is where we are going to spend uh, the lion's share, if not the entire episode here uh, on the advanced route this week. Uh, We got to talk about everything with the Colts, Uh, not just Jacoby Brissett, but how every single player uh, on this team is affected by the retirement of Andrew Luck. Obviously, there is some big-name talent both in the real world and in the fantasy game uh, on the Colts, so a lot of trickle-down effect from Luck's retirement. You wrote a great piece about Jacoby Brissett immediately after the retirement. Uh, if you guys have not seen that and you are listening to this as a subscriber, I suggest that you go and check that out. And hey, maybe a carrot to subscribe if you are not yet a subscriber. You started that episode, or excuse me, that that article with uh, going back to what you saw from Jacoby Brissett when he was in college at NC State. And that's where I want you to start here. So when you looked at Jacoby Brissett, the college prospect, and we'll get to what he is in the NFL, but when you saw what he was a few years ago, back when he was still at NC State, what did you see from him uh, as a quarterback then? I saw a guy that had very good deep ball accuracy. I thought his deep ball was beautiful. I mean, he, he used to lay that football up there, uh, really well, and it just fell right in the breadbasket of the the receiver and hit him in stride too, which is always key because that helps extend that that uh, separation that the receiver gets from a defensive back. So I thought he threw the threw uh, threw the football well, the deep ball in particular. I thought he had good solid game to be a solid pro, and I actually compared his game to that of Nick Foles. I thought they had the same type of you know almost lazy like footwork. Uh, subtle athleticism to where they can evade and also pick up cheap yards. And, you know, I thought the more he was going to play, the better he was going to be because he didn't play as much at Florida. They had a a unique quarterback situation, so he was kind of in and out. All those quarterbacks actually did well after they left Florida. Uh, Jacoby Brissett did well at NC State. 
Jeff Driscoll did well at Louisiana Tech, and Treyon Harris had some success at Tennessee State before they moved him to wide receiver. So I think when I, you know, when, when you look at Brissett coming in, he had a very good week of practice at the Senior Bowl as well. He had all those traits that you like about him, and you just want to see him be able to play uh, more football so therefore he can develop that consistency. And, you know, so he got that opportunity in Indianapolis in 2017 when Luck was out. And I'm excited to see what he can do this year uh, as a full-fledged starter around a much better team. So we take that foundation that he had in college and we spin it forward. Uh, anyone who gets drafted by the Patriots is going to automatically get that that stamp of approval. You've got the imprimatur of, uh, of Bill Belichick, and obviously everyone starts to take a little bit of notice. The Colts go out. They acquire him at, when Andrew Luck uh, was going to be out for the season in 2017, and he ends up starting most of that year for the Colts. Now, obviously, this is a much much different team in 2019, both on the field and on the sidelines, the different organization top to bottom. But as for Brissett, the player, what did you see from him in 2017? And, and you can take that any way you want. Uh, what, what what had he improved on from his college days? Uh, what did he maybe still show some holes in? When you watched Jacoby Brissett from 2017, what sort of guy did you see then? I saw his ability to get out of out of a jam and make something happen with his legs. And he was able to pick up some cheap first downs, even contributed a little bit in the quarterback run game, which was which was excellent to see. You didn't see a lot of that at Florida or at NC State. But you still saw the, saw some of the same inconsistencies uh, within his passing. And and that right there uh, was something that you you want to see imp- him improve on And this preseason. You saw him improve significantly in that regard and so that was impressive to see now but then that's what you saw in 2017 you but you also saw the fact that he didn't have any ties to any particular receiver because he just got there he was going to find the open guy and get the ball to the open guy so whoever that guy was was going to get the football which has carried itself over to this preseason to where you see him spreading the ball around whoever's open is going to get that work and that's what you like to see from a quarterback just not have a true one number one guy. Therefore, the defense can't key on it and say, okay, he's nine times out of ten, he's going to go to this guy in this situation. Brissett is an equal opportunity em- employer that's going to get the football out to whoever is open and whoever is out there on the field has a legit chance to receive that pass coming, coming their way. Now, I think everyone would agree, uh, even though we haven't seen a ton of Brissett, uh, that there are many reasons to believe that the 2019 version of Coach Jacoby Brissett is going to be far superior to the 2017 version. Let's talk about this from two separate angles. The first, the actual play. What have you seen from him this preseason uh, that suggests to you that he has improved as a quarterback? Much cleaner footwork, much consistent base with his mechanics, very decisive uh, with his passes, and the placement has significantly improved. The accuracy is still you know, okay, it's still pretty good, but I, I was impressed with the growth he made in the placement department, which means you're giving your receivers a heck of a lot more chances to do things after the catch. You're putting the ball away from the defender to where you're, only your receiver can make the play. We saw that with that touchdown pass to Eric Ebron against the Browns in the end zone. So I think from a placement perspective, he has significantly improved. His consistency within his his process is outstanding. He's making more sound, decisive decisions with the ball. And, you know, the Colts are moving football down the field. So I think what he what you don't get from him that Andrew Luck gave you was 
the the tremendous athleticism to where Luck was a legit threat to to pick up yards and chunks. Jacoby isn't that guy, although he can do it. That's not his game. Never was. Luck was a little bit more fleet of foot than Brissett, but Brissett definitely gives you a lot of what Luck brought to the table from a passing standpoint. How is all that tied in together? I mean, what does what does for a listener who maybe uh, can't necessarily you know would, would be do, doing better with a little bit of video to go along with this? What does having that consistent base do for a quarterback on a play to play basis? It improves your accuracy. It improves your consistency as far as placement and allows you to be more, um, I, not to, for lack of a better term, allows you to be more consistent in your consistency. <laughs> you know, I think when you look at guys that tend to be all over the place mechanically, you never know what you're going to get from play to play. Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills is a great example of that. It When he's consistent, able to drop back, set up, and get that back foot planted and fire from a from a traditional um, quarterback base, his lightning, that lightning rod attached to his right arm is ridiculously accurate. But when he doesn't do that often. So when you're inconsistent in your process, the accuracy tends to, to wane. Like you see that sometimes where guys may drop back and instead of stepping into or pointing that left toe into the direction of where you're throwing a ball, You'll see them stand straight flat footed and try to throw left and the ball will either sail or be slightly behind or be a little bit too low. But when guys are, are doing everything from a process standpoint the right way, the ball comes out consistent, comes out accurate in its place where it can allow your receiver to do things after the catch. And you saw a lot of that from his process uh, this preseason. 2017 Colts were a mess. I think we can all agree on that. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL. As you said, Brissett was thrown right into the fire. It was a late uh, summer acquisition for that team. Had no preseason with them. Had no training camp. Really was just thrown right in there. A new team, and boom, now you're the starter. Uh, It was an antiquated offense. Chuck Pagano was in his last year as the head coach there. This is all a long way of saying that things are completely different this season. He's got Frank Reich, a, a very forward-thinking, offensive-minded head coach this year, a guy who he is now uh, playing with for the second year, even though Luck was uh, the starter last year. He's got a pretty uh, admirable group of weapons around him, T.Y. Hilton, uh, Eric Ebron, Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, Devin Funches, Paris Campbell, Jack Doyle. It's a nice group of weapons around him. Clearly, the environment uh, is much better for Brissett now than it was in 2017. So I'm wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about how much that is going to help him uh, now that he has just such a better foundation around him, both on the field and on the sidelines. It's going to help him a a lot tremendously. Honestly, when you look at, for instance, let's take and I'm not comparing him to this player, but let's look at how different the perception is when you're surrounded by great talent. Correct. That's why I'm going with this comparison. When you look at Joe Montana and in 79, 80, and, you know, up until the first Super Bowl, which was uh, 81 against the Bengals, right? Joe Montana was a pretty good, pretty good quarterback. You you knew about uh, Dwight Clark and the catch and, she, you know, they had, I think, Wendell Tyler in the backfield. But now let's fast forward to the perception of Joe Montana when he's surrounded by Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Brent Jones, Roger Craig, Tom Rathman. The conversation changes completely, even though Joe Montana was still the same quarterback he was in 79, 80, 81. But in 86, 87, 88, and 89, 
you're looking at Joe Montana as one of the all-time greats. Why? Because the situation around him changed. He got better players. So why wouldn't you expect Jacoby Brissett to perform a lot better now than what we saw from him two years ago? Plus, he has continuity with the scheme. This is his second year in the system. Third year around some of these players like T.Y. Hilton. So he probably has just as good of a rapport with T.Y. Hilton as does Andrew Luck. So he's been around a lot of these guys for three years, the system for two years. So we shouldn't expect a drop off of anything. We should expect a, a good baseline of what we saw last year. You know, maybe the attempts won't be as high. The 40 attempts that Andrew Luck averaged a game, you know, maybe that game, maybe that will be around 25 to 28. And it'll depend on if, you know, Nick Sirianni or Frank Wright feels comfortable that, okay, Brissett is executing at a higher level, we can increase that number to maybe 30 to 33 pass attempts a game. But I don't think this offense will have that big of a drop-off, to be completely honest. And I think because of their defense being significantly better over last year's very good defense, you're going to get a lot more added possessions, which means you're going to have the ball in his hands a lot more, which for fantasy purposes means a lot more opportunities for guys that you have on your roster, like your T.Y. Hilton, your Devin Funches, and all those pack of backs that they have uh, in the backfield. How much can a supporting cast lift a quarterback? Um, and, you know, we talk a lot about what a quarterback can do for their supporting cast, how a quarterback can make a receiver. How much can a, a group of guys like Indy has lift Brissett compared with if he were in, say, Washington, a team that we talk about as maybe having one of the worst collections of skill players in the league? I'll put it to you like this. When Brady was doing just fine, with Wes Welker, um, Deion Branch. But you saw what happened when they added Randy Moss. Brady broke records. So the talent definitely can elevate the quarterback's play. And it's not taking away the from the talent of the quarterback. You're just acknowledging that guys that are tend to be better players will make better plays. So you may throw a dump off to um, Chester Rogers, who may catch the ball and you know get maybe three yards, and that's fine. It moves the sticks. Or you could dump the ball off to Paris Campbell, who has legit track runner speed, and take it the distance. That same three-yard pass and take it the distance. That's the difference in game breakers around you and good players. So when you add those, those game breakers around a quarterback, everything else just is going to increase because of it. And we've seen them have the time because of their offensive line, which I think is the best, arguably the best in the AFC. I know Pittsburgh has a pretty good offensive line, but man, it's hard to ignore a healthy Indianapolis coach front five. We'll hit all the individual guys in a second, but I want to talk uh, more about Brissett and Frank Reich here. How does he fit into the system? I mean, is he, is this going to be a seamless transition? And that's not to say that Jacoby Brissett is as good a quarterback as Andrew Luck, but are they going to have to go to the drawing board and tweak some things? Or are they going to be able to basically take the offense that they already were planning on running this year throw a new quarterback in there and let him rip. Yeah, I think that's going to be what happens. I mean, what a coach to to be with, you know, to make this transition a lot easier. We know Frank Wright has done this before with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. He had to do it himself when he was at Maryland, the greatest comeback in program history and college football history at the time. And we saw him do it in the NFL with the Buffalo Bills, had to step in for Jim Kelly and lead you know, the, the Bills back in the playoffs against the Houston Oilers, they were down 35 to three. So what better coach to take charge of this situation than Frank Wright? So there's, you don't think there's any 
change to the offense. The, the, the playbook they were planning on trotting out with Luck week one, exact same playbook that we're going to see with Jacoby Brissett week one. It'll be the exact same playbook, but there, there may be certain plays that, that Brissett feels more comfortable with, so they'll go with more of those as opposed to what maybe Andrew Luck felt comfortable with. If they're the same plays, they both feel comfortable with running certain plays, and those will be added, and they'll just find what, what Jacoby likes and add that to the mix as well. I know you said that uh, that Luck's a better athlete, that Luck is a sort of guy who could take off and, and, and rip a 30-yard gain on the ground, and that's not really part of Brissett's game. It might happen from time to time, but you're just not going to see it from him the way that you would see it from Luck. Is there anything else that this offense loses other than, I mean, obviously, Andrew Luck's an elite quarterback, almost won an MVP. You know, Jacoby Brissett's not that. But is there, uh, from play to play, is there anything else that uh, comes off the table with Brissett now being the starter? Nothing really. I mean, Luck had an extensive injury history, so you were always worried about that. I don't think you had that same worry with Jacoby Brissett. So if anything, you gain uh, comfort in knowing that you don't have to worry about him being one hit away from an injury, even though you already are as a football player, but you know, you knew Andrew Luck was a guy that, man, I hope he doesn't take this hit. I hope he doesn't run into this defender because of his extensive injury history. I don't think you have that to worry about with Brissett. So if what I'm getting at here is like, obviously this offense is going to change in, in some way. I guess what I'm trying to, is it that, is it just merely that it might not be as effective, explosive, efficient, that they're going to be the same, it's going to be the same sort of look, but the downgrade from luck to percent just means it's maybe not quite as good a group overall. Well, luck probably has more accuracy, um, and you know is a, is overall a better passer than than Jacoby Brissett. But that's not saying Jacoby Brissett can't get the job done. So I think with that being the backdrop, that just the whole. Offense. So I think some people are expecting this team just to completely fall on its face, and that won't happen. You know, we we've seen Frank Wright take a, a quarterback in Nick Foles and throw him in the same system, and that offense looked better or more efficient than when it when it had a better prospect in there in in Carson Wentz. So I think you can see sort of a, the same thing happen here. You acknowledge that Andrew Luck is a better player, but Brissett is a good player that can do some of the same things and and may be an even better player in terms of facilitating the ball to everybody. Because remember, the whole knock with Carson Wentz in that Eagles offense was he only threw to the tight ends. And when Foles got in there, everybody got involved. So maybe we, we'll see some more people involved in this offense, a better distribution of the, of the, the football, as opposed to, okay, we're going to throw to T.Y. Hilton and we're going to throw to T.Y. Hilton some more and then throw to Eric Ebron. Because a lot of people thought, thought, you know, when Jacoby Brissett came in, well, you got to buy Jack Dole because that's who you went to in 2017. Well, we can go back and watch it. He just kind of went to who was open. And a lot of times Doyle was open. So uh, I, I think you may see a, a better distribution of the talent. I will be more interested in seeing what they do with the running game. Will they try to put the handcuffs on Brissett in a passing game and say, okay, well, we got to really protect him. We don't know what he can do even though we've been with him for two years and he's been with this team for three years, we're going to try to lean on a running game. I don't even think they're built that way to lean on a running game. I think they're built to to have the run be a compliment, but they are a pass first run second team, in my opinion. And if they get away from that, then that could make the offense look completely different 
But if they stick to the script, stick to their philosophy, this thing can continue to roll like it did last year. So you think that that even if they wanted to do that, and we're not saying that they do want to do that, but even if they wanted to make this suddenly a little bit more balanced of a pass run ratio, that they're not necessarily built to be that brand of team and that they sort of have to live or die with the way that they have been built, even though Andrew Luck is out of the picture? I, I think so. Um, you know, they have some good have some good backs. I'm not knocking the backfield, mm-hmm. but I think they have guys that are more number twos as opposed to a guy that's a true bona fide bell cow, a guy that's a threat that you literally have to game plan for. Now, they have guys that, that you have to honor, uh, but no one, in my opinion, that you would truly have to game plan for. Like, for, for instance, you have to game plan for Heinz's ability as a receiver because he can kill you. You have to game plan for max speed because if he gets a crease, he's gone. You have to pay a uh, game plan for, okay, you got to make sure we square up and, and get a good tackle on Wilkins because he's elusive. But as far as like, hey, we got to come in and stop the run and stop this, it's not going to work. So you're not buying the idea that uh, that just because we're now in a, in a Jacoby Brissett world in Indy that we should knock off you know 20 targets from T.Y. Hilton's bottom line and we should add – 30 carries to Marlon Mack's bottom line. You think this team this team is still going to attack the season as it would have with luck under center? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, before we close the book on the Frank Reich part of this uh, story, I want to hit one more thing with him. Uh, as you said, as you referenced uh, in your story uh, earlier in this podcast, you uh, comped Jacoby Brissett, the college player, to Nick Foles back when Nick Foles was still with the Rams, back when the Rams were still in St. Louis. Now you, we, we have Nick Foles having the success under Frank Reich in Philadelphia. Jacoby Brissett is now in a very similar position to what Nick Foles was back in with the Eagles in Indy. What is it about Frank Reich's offense that makes players of this ilk ready to transition right into a starting role? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he was a quarterback himself. So he understands what needs to happen to make a quarterback comfortable, to make a quarterback successful. And it allowed the transition going from starter to backup and backup to starter to be seamlessly and, and you know, or be, be seamless. And we saw him do that, like you mentioned, in um, Philadelphia. And I talked about earlier how he did it when he was the backup in Buffalo. So if anything that has been consistent, it's been his ability to make the most out of the the, the opportunity that a backup quarterback will will face. And so why should this scenario be any different? I think. I think it's much ado about nothing. I honestly think this offense will hit the ground running like we saw it do uh, throughout last season. All right, let's talk about the players individually, and we we can hit on all these guys, or at least all the key guys. Now, as great as Jacoby Brissett might be, as many strides as he's made, I think at least going into the season, we have to assume that this offense just isn't going to be quite as good as it was with Andrew Luck. Who's hit the hardest from a fantasy perspective? Is it as simple as saying, the number one receiver isn't going to have as great a season without his quarterback. Is is T.Y. Hilton the guy who has to be downgraded the most in the fantasy world uh, with the move from Luck to Brissett? I don't think so. I think everything should just stay the same. You know, this is not Brock Osweiler starting for the Indianapolis Colts. You know, this is a guy that has been in the system. This is not a quarterback you just signed off the street. He's been in the system for two years, and Always bet on talent. That's an article I have on that I wrote last year on The Athletic. You always want to bet on talent. T.Y. Hilton will be T.Y. Hilton 
regardless of who's back there throwing him the football because the smart money will tell whoever's back there throwing the football, find T.Y. Hilton because he's good. So that shouldn't even be an issue. Um, you know, we've seen guys go from team to team and and perform. For instance, Terrell Owens went from San Fran to uh, Philly to Dallas to Buffalo to Cincinnati and all the quarterbacks were able to find him. So why should we worry about T.Y. Hilton disappearing uh, because Andrew Luck retired? And, you know, T.O. is, I mean, so what, we've got Steve Young, Jeff Garcia, Tony Romo, Donovan McNabb. I mean, is Jacoby Brissett with those guys? I mean, is it that? He's not Brock Osweiler. <laughs> I suppose that's true. But is he is he closer to those guys than he is to Brock Osweiler? Absolutely. Who Who's the quarterback in Buffalo? For for T.O.? Was it Trent Edwards? I can't remember I mean, who the QB to, in Buffalo. Yeah, it was it was it was multiple guys, but T.O. Right. did still have his time there. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we we were worrying about. I think we're worrying about a lot of nothing with, with this Jacoby Brissett deal. You know, I think this guy's going to be excellent um, with within his offense. So, if you are a fantasy owner and you have you you're looking to have him on your team, then you know then. You're, you're fine. You know, you should be fine. Like, don't worry about whether or not, you know, he's going to find this option to find that option. It'll, it'll be just fine. Let me put it to you this way, then. Um, are you downgrading any Colts? Are you treating T.Y., Eric Ebron, Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines? Uh, those are the four main ones. Then I guess you've got a, a second group of Jack Doyle, Devin Funches, Paris Campbell. Are you treating any of these guys any differently? than you would have with Andrew Luck, or if you had T.Y. Hilton as your number 12 receiver, you still have him as your number 12 receiver, and you're not knocking him behind guys who are right in that neighborhood, say Keenan Allen, uh, Stephon Diggs, uh, guys like that. Yeah, I'm still I'm, – I'm not downgrading that, you know, anybody around the Colts offense or on the Colts offense. I, I, I've never been as high on – their running back situation, you know, as far as having a premier back is, let's say as far as fantasy is concerned, their backs to me are flex players more so than RB ones. You know, those are guys that can help you out in the pinch. They can, they'll get like catches and, and, you know, have a few runs. Um, But I don't see them as starting running backs in fantasy, uh, but good starting flex players because of the multitude of what they can do on the field. And you think there's no reason to expect a uh, significant drop-off from this offense to the point where we need to slide T.Y. Hilton, like I said, from you know wide receiver 12 to wide receiver 18, or we need to slide Marlon Mack from wide receiver or running back 16 to running back 22. You think that drafters can go into this weekend, take where they had those guys last week, and just keep them right in the same spot and treat them as though they are in the exact same situation? Maybe if I say it in Spanish, you could... Stop asking me to see who you has the same question uh, 15 different ways. But the answer is going to always be the same. Talent will always rise to the top. And if, you know, if you are looking at Jacoby Brissett starting and saying, well, I got to, you know, I got to find me another, you know, receiver. I got to take another receiver. You know, be I got to take uh, the, a Chicago Bears receiver over T.Y. Hilton. Well, that's just a dumb move because. Brissett is a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. So why would you 
trust what you've seen, trust the continuity, trust the experience of this guy with this team just because a new player is starting. And it's again, it's not like you're going from Andrew Luck to, and I, I don't want to keep using Brock Osweiler, to Kevin <laughs> Hogan. You know, you're not going from that. Right. You're not you're not even going from Andrew Luck to Chad Kelly. You know, you're going from a guy that has started games, um, that has had success, that has been consistent, uh, you know, when he has it, had his opportunity. And, you know, when he did what he did in 2011 with that team, still 13 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. So, you know, he protects the ball, which is always a plus considering what we saw from Andrew Luck. Um, so you get the added benefit of him not tossing interceptions or fumbling the football. So why would you just not expect the production to be again? The only thing that changes is maybe the pass attempts, 40 attempts a game last year. You're probably going to see 20 to 29 to start off. Mm -hmm. And if they're rolling, then you're going to see that number increase as the year goes on. But then does that make Marlon Mack a better investment? I mean, if, if, if the, or if that's true, right? Let's say that the 40 attempts dropped to 28, 29, then one of two things has to be true. Either the Colts are running fewer plays, which is bad, or the bag in the backfield, the run game is getting more work. So which one do you think it is? Are they running fewer plays or are, are Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines getting more work on the ground? All of that could be true. All of that could be a factor. They could be running less plays, but the defense is getting you know, uh, you know, more stops and maybe on offense, the efficiency is higher because they're converting more touchdowns as opposed to just running plays for the sake of running plays. You know, so I, I just think that Marlon Mack is what he is until he proves to be a thousand yard back and proves to be healthy for a full season. I have no reason to trust him being this top tier back uh, in, in fantasy. What I can trust is that I know that Jacoby Brissett will be out there for a full 16 and has done a great job in moving his offense down the field. Also has a pretty good deep ball and also has a, a you know, a, an assortment of weapons around him in the passing game. Excellent tight end depth, three good receivers uh, in Funches, Campbell and T.Y. Hilton and an emerging Deion Kane. It'll be interesting to see how they utilize him this this season. He's had a strong preseason. I, I would have more faith in their passing game than I would in their running game. All right, so what about Jacoby Brissett's game then? It, it makes you super confident in T.Y. That goes beyond T.Y. being a talented guy. What I mean, I know what you're saying about you know always bet on the talent and the talent's going to rise no matter what, but there's got to be something about what Brissett does that makes you confident to still take T.Y. over, uh, let's say, Kenny Galladay, Tyler Lockett, Julian Edelman, Stefan Diggs, that group of receivers, because that's the group of receivers that – he would slide behind if you're putting a lot of stock into the luck Brissett downgrade being significant. Let me let me uh, try to say it this way, because uh, I could even I could easily lie and, and create some formula or some sort of like you know non essential thing that Don't to make lie. it seem like it's, it's you know, important. The, the free like listeners are loving this. Don't lie. Well, when he every thirty five percent of the time when he aligns on the left hash and when he throws with the right arc, which is about sixty five percent height, on I could easily do that and it'd be you know straight BS. Or I can continue to say Ty Hilton is a talent. He's a better talent. Trust the talent. He's better than Kenny, Kenny Galladay. Um, he's also better than and because of his own individual talent, he's explosive. Explosive guys are hard to cover because you have to really as a defender 
you have to gauge your own athleticism and know when and where to exert full throttle or conserve and try to keep up with this dude that's legit fast throughout the entire play. So it makes it tough to cover him because of his explosiveness. The only worry I have about T.Y. Hilton is that at some times he tends to be a little bit nicked up. So you may see him miss a series or two. And it's usually tied to uh, fast guy injuries. You know, fast mm-hmm. guys always is always a hamstring here or a tweak there. But he's been pretty healthy as far as, you know, staying out there for full games, full seasons. It just always seems as though a, a drive here or a drive there, he's out. But he is money. He's consistent. Over the time, he's, what, uh, over 100-plus targets a season? Even in 2017, he had, what, 109 targets and 57 receptions. And a lot of that – and Jacoby only played 15 games in that year. So maybe if he played the first game of the season instead of Scott Tolzien, then maybe he would have gone over 1,000 yards that year as well. So we've seen him have success with Jacoby Brissett already. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give up on this on this line of questioning. We might uh, we might have to revisit it at some point early on in the season. But I'll uh, I'll tap out and I'll move on here. Is there anyone who sneakily gets more value with Jacoby Brissett rather than Andrew Luck as the Colts quarterback, or is it just status quo? Well, you know that's a great question because a lot of people said that about well maybe it's Jack Doyle because when Doyle was working with. Brissett, it seemed like he was going to him more often. But if I had to choose a sneaky option, it would probably be Paris Campbell, but he would have been my pick anyway because I think he's your ideal slot receiver. And now that he's healthy going into the season, I would take him higher than most because I trust his talent. I like what I saw last year at Ohio State. And I think he's their ideal third and and clearly their third best receiver on this roster. So if anybody that's going to be a sneaky selection, it would be Campbell because we just saw him play a little bit. Uh, we're going to see him play a little bit, I'm sorry, in his fourth preseason game. He's healthy now, and we hadn't really seen him all summer. Uh, we saw him a little bit in the spring. So that's the guy you want to grab is Paris Campbell because he's going to be a, a dynamic player. Is there anything beyond the health factor that you're going to be looking for him in this fourth game? Just want to see him, uh, you know, what he, how they align him, whether he's going to be an outside guy or he's going to be strictly a slot guy or will he be a flanker where they constantly put him on the move to create matchups where they can protect him from, you know, getting off bump press. Just want to see how they utilize him and move him around. Now, they won't probably show much, uh, but those things are th- are what you want to be, uh, what you want to pay attention to when you when you're watching preseason. OK, what por- personnel grouping is going in the game? What formations are they using consistently? Is this something that they used last year or is this something that they're just doing for the preseason? And even though this is going to be a a bunch of guys that are not going to be on the roster come Friday, it's still interesting to see what how they utilize him throwing him in the mix. Um, I've done a few drafts since the uh, retirement happened. And one guy who hasn't got drafted, uh, I don't think in any of them, is Devin Funches. Uh, Devin Funches was mostly treated as a late round sort of wide receiver six-ish type by the fantasy community pre-luck retirement. Post-luck retirement, he is going very late or not at all. Is that an overreaction? I think so. I think it is. You think he should still be in that in that late round flyer group of receivers? Yeah, absolutely. 
and Paris Campbell's return has an effect, doesn't have an effect, and he's thing there. I mean, if you were only going to have one Colts non-T wide receiver, would you want it to be Campbell or Funches? I would want it to be Campbell. I, I like big plays, you know, and I, I think Campbell will also get some use in the, you know, in the rounds and things like that. They'll take advantage of his speed. All right. One guy who I've been excited about all summer and who I had on a few teams um, pre-luck and who I actually took last night post-luck, obviously. This is uh, we're taping this on uh, August 28th. So last night was August 27th. So after the luck retirement is Naeem Hines. Is there any reason to uh, doubt what his production and usage might be without luck on the field? No, nah, there's no reason at all. I think he's his role is clearly defined and I think he's going to be Again, a strong flex player. Um, I would even, I would prefer him as your starting running back for the Colts. Uh, but they, really? with yeah, but they would they they you know prefer Marlon Mack as a starter. But Naheem Hines to me gives you everything that you want to do from an offensive standpoint. He's a guy that can be a receiver because he was one at NC State, played running back only one year his senior season, and you know I think he would actually make them more of what they want to do offensively. But I understand why they, they have Mac as a starter because he has a breakaway speed. So I see Hines being utilized a lot. I see him more as a flex guy on fantasy um, as opposed to being a starter at RB1 or RB2. Okay, one more guy who uh, whose draft stock took a significant hit. In fact, the one the guy who, whose stock took the biggest hit was Eric Ebron. I think a lot of people in my corner of the industry, Emery, were down on Ebron a little bit this year compared with last year. Uh, just the 12 touchdowns were almost certainly not going to be repeatable. He really did live on touchdown value. He's a great player for the Colts and very effective in the red zone, but it just seemed unrealistic for him to hit that touchdown number again. He is now down to tight end 17 um, in consensus rankings. That's behind uh, Jimmy Graham, Greg Olson, Mark Andrews. I know you're going to say that's an overreaction. How much of an overreaction is that? I don't know, man, because, yeah, you, you <laughs> a lot of his touchdowns were, you know, one-yard variety. But it's funny how people quickly use that to downgrade him. And, you know, when Carson Wentz had that 33-touchdown season, I want to say like nine of those touchdowns were one yard touchdown passes that were quick screens. Mm -hmm. And all you hear is like, oh, he would have won MVP. He had 33 touchdowns. But the caveat comes with Ebron, who caught one yard touchdowns. He could have easily dropped all those one yard touchdowns. Um, I think Ebron has found his confidence and he was a first round pick for a reason. That confidence is allowing him to to, uh, realize that potential. And so while it probably won't be those same ridiculous numbers, I don't think he'll fall completely off the face of the earth. I think he's still going to be a viable threat at tight end. You're still comfortable with him as your starting fantasy tight end in week one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's fair. I think I am too. Um, and I, uh, I was, uh, in that same draft where I got Naeem Hines, I was, you know, flirting with the idea of getting a cheap Eric Ebron as well. Um, didn't happen, but I'm with you there. I think he's someone who we should still be treating, uh, as a starter, even if we do downgrade him a little bit. Um, all right, let's get to the the big guy here, uh, the guy who is really going to be the one tasked with putting this all together, Jacoby Brissett. I uh, can't let you go without talking Jacoby Brissett's uh, fantasy value. Now, before we really nail that and play our favorite game in the advanced route, uh, our own Zach Kiefer at The Athletic uh, noted in one of his pieces uh, after Andrew Luck's retirement that 
Brissett has had something on the order of 1,200 first-team snaps, which is about what a quarterback would take in a full season. So first and foremost, can you overvalue just how important that's going to be for Brissett when he actually suits it up in week one? No, you can't overvalue that. That shows that he has a, a good grasp of the offense and has built great chemistry with the first team, which he has been working with since May. You know, so that that counts for something. He's been the starter since May. You know, we really haven't seen Andrew Luck out there. He's taken all those first team reps and snaps. And, um, you know, so we've seen him with the first team more than we've seen Andrew Luck in, in 2019 with the first team. Uh, well, the, you know, the 2019 season mm-hmm. uh, with the first team. So we shouldn't overvalue that. That that counts for something. That show that should, if anything, that should, you know, uh, squash a lot of the the talk around devaluing the options around Brissett. In that piece I referenced that you wrote about Brissett after the reti- retirement, uh, you wrote, and I quote, uh, Brissett won't be a premier fantasy option, but he'll be better than most people are giving him credit for. He's a 25th quarterback being taken in drafts, according to data from the National Fantasy Football Championship over the last three days. Those three days basically covering the immediate three days after Andrew Luck's retirement. So if you're saying he's going to be better than that, so better than 25. So if we look just ahead of that 25 group, I'm going to give you the five quarterbacks right in front of that. They are Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Josh Allen. Are you taking Brissett over all five of those guys? I'm taking Brissett over Allen, taking Brissett over Garoppolo. Um, I'm taking Brissett over, and what were the other three? You got Darnold, Stafford, and Carr. I'm taking him over Stafford. Uh, Carr is a tricky one because you you know you really don't know what we're gonna see this year with Antonio Brown and and that offense. Um, I think they'll be better than and people give him credit for. I, I like Tyrell Williams and. And also Antonio Brown, you know, so I, I would probably put Carr and Brissett on that same same level. And you've got and both of them are behind Sam Darnold for you. I think Darnold is, is kind of in that mix, too. You know, okay. Darnold, w- w- where I would probably downgrade Darnold would be because of the interceptions. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think he can get away from that. I think he's an average uh, 27, 28 touchdown, 12 to 13 intercept guy. I think that's going to be his, his thing. Um, so I would, I would say he's, uh, I would say Brissett is probably on, uh, you know, on the same tier of, of those three guys. You can shake them up in a bag and, and pick one. Okay. The, the group right ahead of them is um, one guy who I know you like Brissett better than even if you didn't already say you did Mitch Trubisky, uh, Kirk cousins and Tom Brady. So how, how does Brissett fit in with that group of guys? Are those guys are Brady and Cousins ahead of him for you? Yeah, and, and because Cousins is a fantasy football monster, yeah, uh, but a reality, you know, dud. <laughs> um, so I think it's hard to take any quarterback over Cousins because Cousins knows how to game the system. Let's get down by a lot, and I'll <laughs> throw these you know these worthless touchdowns and yards, and at the end of the day. I'm going to look like I'm a, I'm a great quarterback, and some team will give me a guaranteed contract. I think some team just did that, in fact, didn't they? There you go. <laughs> All right, so basically um, you are pegging Jacoby Brissett as about a top 20, like right around quarterback number 20 or so, uh, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm reading this correctly. So you 
like him in uh, in general as maybe a guy in one quarterback leagues who you look at as a comfortable backup who will have his weeks where you're happy to start him? Yeah, it, you know, top 20, 21, you know, that's, that's fine for me. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could live with that. And just to uh, hammer this point home one more time, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Eric Ebron, Marlon Mack, treat him as you would have if Andrew Luck were healthy, if Andrew Luck were still playing. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing changes. The only thing that changes is the, is the QB. That's a pretty big thing to change, Emery. Yeah, if, if you're looking at a, a new QB coming into the system, but I don't think you know they are uh, going to lose much with, with Jacoby Brissett. All right. Well, I think that uh, if you let me tell you, let me give you. Uh, yeah, I've I've been grilling you this whole time, so let me give let me you know let you take a sit back and uh, I'll give you a little piece of advice. If you have any fantasy drafts coming up this week, you are going to be able to get T. Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron both at a much cheaper price than you would have uh, if Andrew Luck were still playing. So just keep that in mind and maybe let uh, let the let the rounds roll by a little bit before you get in on them because if you like him as much as you did with Luck. You're going to be uh, sitting pretty, pretty if you uh, get those guys a couple rounds later than you would have. If you're thinking like everybody else, you're not thinking at all. And that's <laughs> why you have to, um, you know, trust talent. Talent will be talent regardless. And, you know, let everybody else think that, oh, you got to stay away from coach players. And you, like you said, you, you're going to have that value late on T.Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron. So better, you know, better you thinking than, you know, following the herd, which a lot of people do in fantasy because they, Tend to, you know, here's one piece of advice. Everybody passes that information around. Everybody follows it. Everybody has the same team. You already, you noticed the amount of people that within what the first two weeks of fantasy, the majority of people that play fantasy, oh man, my, my season's done. My, my team's done. And, I, and you're sitting around like, well, that's because you guys all got the same information from the same source. Here's a chance to think differently. And here's a chance to, to be better. Uh, so, you know, that's what we're here for at the advanced route in the athletic give me that information that you need. Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. Thinking differently is the exact reason why we started this podcast, why we're excited about it uh, for the regular season, which is finally coming to us one week from tomorrow when the Bears and the Packers kick off. That's going to do it for us here on this very Jacoby Brissett heavy edition of the advanced route. Uh, Again, we are available on uh, Apple and on Spotify, anywhere where you listen to podcasts for free. Now, this episode and every episode throughout the regular season, both the advanced route and mo- almost all of our podcasts here at The Athletic. So if you are listening to this uh, in one of those free venues, please rate and review what you hear. We hope that you like what you hear. Uh, I am Michael Beller for my co-host, Emery Hunt, who you can find on Twitter at FBallGamePlan and who loves the Indianapolis Colts with or without Andrew Luck. This has been another great episode of the Advanced Route. Thanks for having us. And Emory, football season now really right around the corner. Have a great time at uh, Western Michigan this weekend. Can't wait. Never been to Kalamazoo. About to see what that food looking like out there. (laughs) I'm sure no matter what, uh, if I know anything about the upper Midwest and considering uh, I was born and raised in Chicago, live in Chicago, did my college at uh, the University of Wisconsin, I do know a little bit about the upper Midwest. You're going to be pretty happy with the food offerings they've got for you. Awesome. I can't wait. (laughs) All right. Everyone out there, thank you again for joining us. We will be right back with you next week on the Advanced Route.